Well, hey, church on the North Coast, is anybody excited to be in the house of the Lord today? Come on. It's hot in here. It's hot in here. That's right. Well, hey, listen, we're going we're gonna to get into the Word today. Does anybody love the Word of God? Man, I love the Word of God. We're going to get into it today, and I have a word from you. It's hot off the press. I'm really excited to share it with you. I feel like sometimes, you know, you, you kind of sit on a Word for a while, and the Lord's dealing with you on th- with things, and, and other times I feel like the Lord just drops these little bombs on you and then just moves on, and it's like, what in the world? And so the Lord dropped a bomb on me this week, and I'm going to drop it on you, and so we'll just, we'll just have a good old time, okay? Um, but no, I'm really excited to share this word with you today. It's called, where the title of the message is Stewardship. Stewardship. Can we say that together? Stewardship. stewardship. And we're going to deal about what it means to be a steward of the Lord. And, and um, we're going to get into Matthew chapter 25. Does anybody have their paper Bible with them? Wave, their pa- pa- wave your paper Bible at me if you have it. You know what's hilarious? I forgot mine at home. I was reading it this morning while I was eating breakfast. And I forgot mine at home. But if you have your paper Bible, amen, that's awesome. For all of us that don't have it, we'll, just, we'll pray for your continued salvation in the Lord, you know, all that good stuff. Um, but take your paper Bible or your electronic Bible with me to Matthew chapter 25. We're going to look at the story that Jesus tells as a parable. This story is probably familiar. You might have heard it one or two times. Um, but it's a, it's a parable that Jesus tells. Um, And we're going to read a little bit of scripture today, okay? We're going to read about 15 verses. But um, the Bible says this in in verse 14. Jesus says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants. His own servants. This is why I want us to see this. He didn't call somebody else's servants. He called his own servants. Is anybody in here a servant of the Lord? Wave, Wave at me if you're a servant of the Lord. So if you're waving at me, he's talking to you. He's talking about me, right? This is this is those who call themselves belonging to the Lord. He he called his own servants and he delivered his goods to them. Whose goods did he deliver? Oh, good. You guys are smart. Listen, they weren't your goods. They're his goods, right? He delivered his own goods to them. To one, he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. So if you're ever like me, I've always felt bad for the one talent guy. Did anybody else feel bad for the guy that got one talent? Come on, I mean, that's kind of messed up. Jesus, you gave that guy one measly talent? And I've always felt bad about that until I learned what a talent was. So essentially what a talent was, is, is it was equated to about 6,000 days worth of work. 6,000 days worth of work. Work. And so if you break that down to, to our culture, our, our day and age, right? So when Jesus was talking about a talent, he's talking about about 800 weeks worth of employment. Or we can break it down even further and it equates to 16 and a half years of work. That's a lot of money. Do you know how much it is? It's around, if the average American makes about $70,000 a year, that number is about $1.1 million. <laughs> So Jesus, so how many people don't feel bad for the one talent guy anymore, right? You're like, no, you got, you got $1.1 million. I don't feel bad for you anymore. But Jesus is using this extravagant amount of money to prove and to show this example about the kingdom of God. The, what they say about the talent is that the talent consists of about 50 to 80 pounds of gold or silver, oh my goodness, that's a lot of money, right? And so when we look at this story, we have to ask the question, Jesus, why did you use an astronomical amount of money when you were talking about this? Do you know why? Because this isn't about money. 
I love what Pastor Kyle just said. It's not about money, it's about trust. And, and this parable, although we use it to talk about stewardship of money and, and stewardship and how you run your finances, this is the truth. Jesus was talking to a bunch of people that would never see not even one talent in their whole life. They would never have this much money. So, so this parable is not about finances. This parable is about the kingdom of God. Even if you rewind a few chapters, in Matthew chapter 18, Jesus tells another story about a talent. And he tells this story about a servant who owed the king. The Bible says that this servant owed the king 10,000 talents. Now, remember what we just talked about was a talent, right? Just one. This guy owed the king 10,000 talents. Do you know how much that is? That's $10 billion. <laughs> that's crazy, right? That, that's, we have no frame of mind for how much money that was. And, and the Bible says that the king forgave him of his debt. Oh, my goodness. You know, the Bible continues to go on and say that this guy who has been forgiven of his $10 billion debt tracked down one of his friends who owed him 100 denarii. So a denarii was one day's worth of work. So this guy essentially owed him about, about three, three and a half months worth of wages, which equates to, again, we drop in that $70,000 a year figure, we're looking at anywhere between ten dollars to $18,000, right? That's a lot of money, but that's not unreasonable. That's not... $10 billion, you know, that's, that's no different. What was Jesus saying in this parable? He was saying that you owed God an unpayable debt, that through our sin, we had no ch chance to pay God back, but he has forgiven us of this astronomical debt that we held with the creator. He's cleaned our slate. He's wiped it clean. You don't owe God anything. And then Jesus says, if God has wiped your $10 billion debt clean, you can't wipe the debt clean of a couple thousand dollars, wow. right? And so Jesus is, this isn't about the money here. This is about the principles of the kingdom. And so if we go back here to, to this idea of Matthew chapter 25, where Jesus is delivering talents, this isn't about money. What Jesus is saying is the same way that God has forgiven billions of dollars worth of sin, that God is going to give his stewards the kingdom of heaven and the, and the chance for us, you and I, to steward what God has given us well. I want you to hear me for a second because a lot, for a lot of these people, one talent might be all the money they make in their entire lifetime. That might be all the money they ever make. And, and here's what Jesus is saying to us, that Jesus has given us the kingdom of heaven. He's brought the kingdom. How many has, have received an incredible gift called salvation by, by God? Have you received that gift, right? Man, oh my goodness, what a precious gift that is. That's more valuable than any amount of money in the world, right? The, that he's, the, the gift that he's given us is so valuable. And this is what Jesus is trying to explain here by using these large amounts of money. He's saying, listen, you've been given five talents. That's over five and a half million dollars. How many know salvation is way more costly than that. And so this is what Jesus is using here to, to help us understand about stewardship. And it goes on to say this in verse 16, then he who had received the first, the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid it. That word hid literally means to keep secret. So he took this incredible gift of the kingdom of God and he buried it. His Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. 
Verse 20, it says, So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. What a sentence. Man, that's so powerful, right? <laughs> that's so amazing. It says, So he who had two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered me two talents. Look, I gained two more talents beside them. His Lord said, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Verse 24 goes on to say, then who had re- he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and, when, and, and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. Now, let's just put this in context, right? You're going away on a trip. You give your friend a million dollars. You come back and they say, here's your million dollars back. Nobody's upset at that, right? I'm like, okay, cool. At least you didn't lose it, right? <laughs> that would be a problem if I come to get my money and you're like, I don't have any money. Like, you don't have anything? I gave you a million dollars and you have nothing? Oh my goodness. No, that's not what this guy said. He said, here, I have exactly what you gave me, God. You gave me this, and I, and I produced the exact same thing back, right? Anybody in this room, no one in this room is mad at that. But look at what the Lord says this guy did. In verse 26, he says this, But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servants. Oh, my goodness. You wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seeds. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers and at my coming, I would have received my own, back my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has 10 talents. What? That's ruthless, Jesus. Why are you so mean? Uh, let, me sh- let me share this with you. I've seen over the scriptures that Jesus has a low tolerance for poor stewardship. I want you to hear this. He has a low tolerance for those who, who fail to take what is given to them and produce something with it. Here's what the Bible says. We're not going to go there, but the Bible says that Jesus walks by a fig tree. And he notices, he wants, he wants, wants a, little, a little snack. He goes to grab a fig. He notices that this fig tree didn't bear any fruit. The Bible goes out of its way to let you and I know that it's not the season for, for figs. And so Jesus has no right to be angry because that fig tree shouldn't have had figs on it. But what Jesus does is he curses the tree and the tree dies. Why? Because he doesn't have tolerance for fruitlessness. And so in the kingdom of God, we have no options. We have to be fruitful. And we're going to get into this a little bit today. I'm trying not to get ahead of myself. But verse 29 says this, For to everyone who has, more will be given. And he will have abundance but from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away and cast, and cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Oh my goodness. That's an intense parable, right? Are you all okay? We good out there? So I'll take a deep breath, man. That's an intense scripture. But what I want us to understand here is that the Lord has called us to, to stewardship 
to be good stewards of what God has given us. How many want to be a good steward of what God has given you, right? I, I want to be like those first two individuals where, where at the end of all things, I come to the Lord and I say, God, you gave me all of this. Here's what I'm giving back to you. And his response to, to me and to you, because we're good stewards, he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of my rest. And so we're going to talk about what it means to be a good steward today. But before we get into it, do me a favor, bow your head, close your eyes, let's pray. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to join us. Holy Spirit, we thank you so much for who you are and what you've done in this place. We thank you, God, for your word right now. We just, come on, thank him for his word. Aren't you grateful? Thank you for your word. We find so much joy and delight in your word, God. Just as Isaiah chapter 66, verse 2 says, that we tremble at your word, God. And so today, right now in this moment, we hold your word above all else. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would bring the spirit of wisdom and revelation into this room, that we will know you and see you, that when we come into this place, we don't just hear a good message or good music, but we leave different because we've met the King of glory. So Jesus, would you reveal yourself to us today? In your name I pray. Everyone said... Amen. Amen. Here's the idea I have for you today, okay? If you don't remember anything else, I want you to remember these three words, all right? Take a picture of the screen, write it down, whatever you have to do. Here's the idea. Everything is his. Everything is his. There is nothing that belongs to you or to me. Everything belongs to him. So if everything belongs to him, that means you and I are nothing more than stewards of God's property. <laughs> we are just caretakers of what belongs to the Lord. Everything is his. Let me take you to uh, Psalms chapter 24 really quick. I want, to, I, want you to, I want you to see this here. Psalms chapter 24, verse 1. The Bible says this, the earth is the Lord's. Amen. All right, let's go home, right? That's, that's about all we need to know. The earth is the Lord's in all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. If you didn't know already, I'm here to tell you that everything under creation, under the sun, even beyond the sun, the universe, the stars, the planets, the earth, the people in them, the oxygen in it, everything belongs to him. Everything belongs to him. This is what Genesis chapter 1, uh, verse 28 says. I love this account when, when God creates the earth. He takes Adam and Eve and he, and he tells them this. Then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So you see, God creates everything and he gives it to Adam and Eve to steward. He says, here, take this. I've, I've created all of this for you, and I want you. Remember, this is, this is essentially what Jesus says in this parable in Matthew chapter 25. I've given you a gift. Do something with it. Multiply, fill, have dominion, subdue, do something. Don't just sit around the garden all day. Do something with what I have given you. This is what God's telling them in, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. In Luke 19, verse 13, Jesus is telling another parable, and this is what he says. So he called 10 of his servants, delivered to them 10 minas, and said to them, do business until I come. Do business till I come. How many know that Jesus is coming back? Come on, do you believe that? He's coming back. Listen, the hour is kind of crazy, so he might be on his way, okay? <laughs> the car might be started, he might be pulling out of the driveway, but Jesus is coming back back. Amen. And Jesus didn't tell us to just hang out until he comes back. He didn't say just go to church until 
he comes back. He said to do business until I come back. What is he telling us? He's telling us to be good stewards, fruitful stewards of what we have been given. This is our responsibility as Christians. We have to take what God has given us and do something with it. I want to read this last verse to you. I love this verse. This is one of my favorites. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, it says that he is, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. Remember, Jesus tells one of his disciples, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. Watch this. All things were created through him. And they weren't just created through him. They were created for him. All things exist, not just because of Jesus, but to Jesus. They exist for him. He is the beginning. He is before all things. And in him, all things consist. This, this scripture verse, I, this, this little passage right here, in him, all things consist. This blows my mind, right? If you really think about it, because scientists have been able to identify the smallest molecules to exist, Right? We're able to look at an atom. We're able to see the electrons and the protons and the neutrons and all that stuff, the Jimmy Neutrons in there and, and all that stuff. That was a 90s cartoon reference. For Okay, there we go. But we're able to identify all that stuff. But you know what's crazy? Scientists don't know how. They can explain a lot, but they, they can't explain why it all sticks together. They, they can explain what happens. They can explain how different molecules make up different things, but they have no explanation as to why these things just spin around each other. Like, what is holding them together? Right? He is, all things consist in him. At the word of his power, Jesus is holding all things together. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. So I want us to just really allow that revelation to wash over us right now, that everything is his. Everything is his. Are you all doing good? All right, let's take a deep breath together. You ready? Hold it. Exhale. You just rented oxygen from God (laughs) to do that. That breath that you just took, you borrowed it from God, right? This idea that the clothes that are on my body right now, they're not mine. They're borrowed from God. Everything that exists is his. Like, like husbands and wives, look at each other right now. If you're married in this room and, and your husband, your wife, your boyfriend, girlfriend's here, just look at each other. Did you know, husbands, before that beautiful woman you're looking at is your wife, did you know that she is the Lord's daughter before she's your wife? And, 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 and wives, did you know that, that that handsome man that you're looking at right now, before he is your knight in shining armor, he is a son of God. That, that before we even have relationship with one another, that we can't even own our relationships. They belong to the Lord before they belong to us. And so when we understand this, right, we have kind of have this revelation of everything belongs to God. What we have to figure out is what do I need to do to be a good steward of what God has given me, right? So if we understand this truth that I don't own anything, the money in my bank account is borrowed from God, the air in my lungs is borrowed from God, the clothes in my closet, the fruit in my fridge, my kids, my relationships, everything's borrowed from God. So how do I take care of God's things? Does anybody want to take care of God's things? So over the next few minutes, I want to give you three ways that you and I can be a good steward of what was given to you, okay? All right, the first thing, here's number one that you need to understand. You have to value what was given. 
In order to be a good steward, this is the beginning. You must value the item that was given to you. Has anybody, okay, be, be honest here, okay? I'm going to tell you to tell on yourself a little bit, but be honest. Has anybody in this room ever re-gifted an item before? Have you re-gifted something? Oh, that's so horrible. That's so mean. Right? So maybe for Christmas or your birthday, somebody gives you a present and you don't really like it. <laughs> but you can't throw it away, right? Because that's rude. If somebody gives you something like a little cup and you're like, I'll never use this. You can't throw it away. So what happens is you take this cup or this item and you put it in the back of your closet, right? And it's just sitting in the back of your closet. And then one day your coworker's birthday is the next day. You don't have time to go to the store. You're like, oh my goodness, I got to find something in the house. And you go to the back of your closet and you grab that thing, right? Yep. And you just put it in a little bag. And you say, here, I was thinking of you. I got this for you, right? I know everybody in this room has done it. You don't lie to me. You've re-gifted an item. What's the issue with that? What's the problem with that? The problem is that that item was not valued by you. You, you didn't value the item. And this is the problem with many Christians. And this is why many Christians, maybe even people in this room, are poor stewards of what God has given them because they fail to find the value in what was given. You, you don't take care of things that you don't feel are important. And what happens oftentimes is instead of, instead of being good stewards of what God has given us, we complain about what God has given us because it's not as good as the person next to us. Like, let me, let me show you this for a second because I believe that social media has ruined a lot of things in our culture. Because, because here's the idea. I believe that we were not meant to know so many people. <laughs> I know it's funny, but like we don't have the capacity to have friendships with thousands and thousands of people. It's like, I, I don't need to know all the billion people on this planet. Like, we, I, I don't feel like we were created to connect with all, everyone, you know? We were, we were created to have these intimate, close relationships. And I think what has happened with social media is we see everybody else's highlight reel. Right? We, see, we see that one person that, that just pops up on our For You page, and we see him living our dream job. We're like, oh man, this is my dream job. I want that job so bad. Or, or we see somebody driving down the road in our dream car. And we're like, oh man, I want that car so bad. Right? And desiring things isn't a problem. Desiring things is not a bad thing. But, but here's what happens in a Christian's life. When desire becomes jealousy, then you have an issue. And a lot of people, I think if, if we would really admit it, we have some jealousy in our hearts. And the danger of jealousy is this. It's not that jealousy makes you desire other things. The danger in jealousy is that jealousy makes you despise the thing that you have. Wow. So, so it's not bad to want something, but what happens is that desire, that spirit of jealousy comes in your heart, and now not only do you want something, but you despise the thing that you have. Let me show you what this looks like. You see your dream car driving down the road, or maybe parked at your neighbor's house, and you're like, man, I want that car. And on your way into your beat-up little beater car that barely starts, you shut the door and you're like, man, I can't believe God, you gave me this piece of junk. I got this car, barely works. I got to try to crank it over three times just to get it started. It's so frustrating and annoying. And, and what happens is you begin to despise the thing that you have and you start complaining about it. And you start complaining about it. And you're a poor steward because you're despising what God has given you because truth is you could be riding your bike to work. The truth is, you could be walking to work. You could be catching the bus, right? And, and so in, instead of, you, you see what I'm saying? Instead of saying, God, thank you for this beat up little car. <laughs> thank you, God, for this, for, that I have transportation work, right? Instead of doing that, we are 
despising and, and complaining about the very thing that God has given you. Some of us, we, we don't like Sunday nights because that means we have to go to work on Monday morning. And our boss is terrible, our coworkers are terrible, and all we do is complain about our job. And we despise where we work. Why? Because we see that person in their dream job, and I'm stuck here at this office that I hate. That's not being a good steward of the thing that God has given you. Yeah, it might not be what you wanted. It might not be like where you're going to be in 10 years. You might not be here long term. But, but right now, today, this is what God has given you. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to complain about it? Are you going to be annoyed with it? Are you going to despise it? Or are you going to be thankful for it? Because here's the truth. If you want to get rid of, let me say it this way. If you want to teach yourself to value what you've been given, here's the key. Ready? I want you to write it down. This is the key. Be thankful for everything. Be thankful. This is how you create value for what God has given you. You give thanks. <laughs> this is what David says in Psalms chapter 100, verse 4. He says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. And watch this. Be thankful to him. <laughs> Be thankful to him and bless his name. When you and I switch our mindset and our attitude and we no longer despise those things, but we realize that without these gifts from God, man, I wouldn't have anything. I can begin to be thankful for even the things that might not be as good as somebody else. And I, like, and you really hear me. We're going to go deep today, okay? We're going we're gonna to kind of dive deep into this because I want to show, um, show us how dangerous jealousy and these things can be because, because husbands, specifically men, listen to me for a moment because this is what happens oftentimes is, is what happens is you allow these, these just emotional, seemingly innocent relationships that, with people that aren't your wife, with women that aren't your wife, and you allow yourself to connect with them. And you allow this little bit of desire to go toward that relationship. And, and it seems innocent, it seems harmless, but the problem with that, remember, jealousy breeds not only desire for something, but it makes you despise what you have. And so now you have this emotional connection with somebody that's not your wife, and you're desiring a relationship outside of your marriage that creates, you, you, that creates this, this area of despising your spouse, your wife. Like, this is the danger of jealousy instead of being thankful for the person that you're with. And this is how you break those things. So thanksgiving is how you break, break th this, this idea of despising these gifts that the, that the Lord has given you. You're thankful, you're grateful every single moment. Even when your car doesn't start the first or second time and you get it going the third or fourth time, it's like, God, thank you that I didn't walk to church today. Like, thank you, God. Man, even though my boss is like the, the, the biggest jerk and he's always mean, my coworkers are the worst. Man, God, thank you that I have the ability to go and make money that I can make money and I can put food in my fridge, that I can put clothes on my kid's back. Man, I might not love it. It might not be enjoyable, but I am grateful because without this opportunity, God, I'd be living under a bridge. So thank you. Thank you, right? So gratitude creates this perspective of value over your life. When you're grateful, you see the value of the things that have been given. And the first step in being a good steward is valuing the, the gift that was given. And so everything, remember, everything is given to you. So as a Christian, you have to find value in everything. Even if it's not as nice, as good, as shiny as the person sitting next to you, man, you've got a gift from God, and you've got to take care of that gift. Because here's the truth. You're not going to give an account as to how somebody else handled their gift. You're going to give an account of how you handled your gift. 
And so it might not look like the person sitting next to you, but you don't need to worry about them. You got to give an account for your thing, right? So here's the second thing I want to share with you. So the first thing is this, to value your gift. The second thing is this, invest into what was given. Invest into what was given. You know, we had our daughter Riley six years ago. So Riley has turned six years old this past February, and she is like this really, she's like so long now. She's like this tall little mini adult. She's so crazy. Um, but she's, she's so amazing. Like she's so gifted. She's so, she loves people. You know, the other day, um, she's taking the bus by herself. It's kind of crazy. Um, but the other day I was, uh, I was supposed to be picking, <laughs> I, I'm not great at this, but it's not my fault. Sometimes, sometimes I miss her at the bus but it's not my fault because the bus driver says, I'm going to be there at such and such a time. And then they come like 10 minutes early. I'm like, how can you blame me for not being there when you're coming early? It's not my fault. But sometimes I will miss the bus. Okay, fine. I said it. Sometimes I'll miss the bus. And the other day I, was, I had the kids. Emily was gone somewhere. I don't think you know this, so sorry. <laughs> the other day Emily's gone somewhere. I had the kids... And I, I, listen, guys, I was getting the kids ready to go down to the bus stop and pick up Riley like we were getting our shoes on. And Riley walks through the door, just like opens the door, walks in. I'm like, did you just get home from work or something? Like, what in the world? Like, it was like, she's just like a, a little adult, you know? She's like, I'm home. And I'm like, yeah, the neighbor walked me home. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, I feel so bad. But, but, but it's like when you think about, when you think about like, just who she has become in this, these six short years, it's like blows my mind. You know, I was putting her into bed the other night, and I'm like, I remember when you were just like a tiny little baby, you know? It's so crazy. And all the parents in this room know what I'm talking about. And I remember when we took Riley home from the hospital, I remember I was telling my wife when we got in the car, I was like, babe, I think I just almost said I love you to the nurse. It was just like a, it was just an inst, like it just kind of, I didn't even think about it, but, but it was because we had the best nurse ever. Like with Riley, it was, she was amazing. She was with us the whole time. She was, she was just such an incredible nurse. And it, going through a situation like that, you just get really close to a stranger real fast, right? You know what I'm saying? And, and I just was like, you know, we were saying goodbye and it's kind of blows my mind when you're, when you have your first kid, because you have this kid. And the nurses take care of them, they feed them, they change their diapers, they do all of this stuff, and then they say, okay, bye, see you later. And they load you guys up in the car, shut the door, and then this, this send you on your way. And I remember looking at this nurse, I'm like, I love you, can you come home with me? Like, just move in, like, can you, are you, are you getting in? I got a seat in the back for you too, like, move in, right? But it's this idea that, like, we didn't know what we were doing, right? Like, we had no clue how to raise this little human, right? Any parents been, been in that position before? You, you have this kid, and you're like, what do I do with this? I don't know what to do. And it's this overwhelming feeling. But, but when I look back over the last six years, you know, Emily and I aren't perfect, but, but here, here's the truth about children. Children don't just turn out okay by accident. You don't just raise good kids by mistake. It takes intentional investing over days and months and weeks and years. And, and it's, this, it's this small, it's, it's parenting. It's this small thing of, of starting with, with something you have no clue what to do, but just make these little investments over time. And then six years later, you know, 20 years later, 30, 50 years later, you have these, you have these children that are, that are growing up in the Lord, that love the Lord, that are fulfilling their purpose, that are healthy, contributing to society. And it's like, oh my goodness, wow. It's like, you're not perfect, but you made these small investments. And here's the truth about investing into what was given. It's the same way. You have to invest in what the Lord has given you. You can't just receive a gift from God, sit back, twiddle your thumbs a little bit, and expect God to just do all of the work 
work for you. No, no, no. A good steward takes what was given and he invests what was given and he creates more out of it. And this is the truth that I want us to understand here today is that in order to be a good steward, you have to invest in your gift. You have to put into what God has given you. You know, parents, I want to speak to you for a second because here's the truth, that your children don't belong to you. The Bible says in Psalms, somebody said, praise the Lord. <laughs> I like that. I like that. <laughs> but here, here's, that was you, Nicole, wasn't it? <laughs> that was awesome. But here, here's the truth. The Bible says in Psalms 139, I think it's verse 16, the Bible says that before you were formed, before you were formed in your mother's womb, God knew your substance. What, what, what is this psalmist saying? That before you were even conceived, before you as a person existed inside of your mother's womb, God already knew you. That means this, that you belong to God way before you belong to your parents. And parents, your kids belong to God way before they belong to you. So this idea here is that we steward what was given to us well. As we parent our children, this is what we have to understand. I'm not just raising a kid, my kid. I am raising a son and a a daughter of God. Amen. That's a deeper responsibility there as a parent, right? And so this is, this is the truth across the board that we must invest into what was given to us. I want to share this scripture verse with you in Isaiah chapter 55. It's in verse 11. You might heard it. You might have known this scripture verse. It's a great scripture verse. It says this, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Amen. That's a powerful scripture verse, but here's the issue, right? The issue is that we take this scripture verse by itself, and we, not, not, not anybody in this room, but some Christians build this theology around God that if God said it, he's going to do it. I can just sit here and take a nap and not worry about, oh, yes, yeah, I knew that was nobody in this room. I can sit back and not worry about doing anything because if God said it, it's just going to magically happen. It's just out of context, right? Because the, the scripture verse says, so shall my word be, which means this, that God's comparing his word to something. And what he's comparing his word to is found just one verse before in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 10. It says this, for as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth in bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be. What is God saying? He's drawing a parallel, not between, not, not giving us a pass to just to be lazy, but he's drawing a parallel between his word and the rain that comes from heaven. Because as the rain comes down, the rain doesn't come down and just force trees to come out of the ground or force fruits or force vegetables to come out. What does rain do? Rain comes down and saturates and nourishes the soil that then which produces life out of that seed. This is what the word of God is like. God's not going to come down to your life like a puppet master and make you be fruitful and multiply. No, God has given you something in a seed form, and it's up to us to cultivate that, to grow it, to invest in it, and to mature what God has given us. This is God's design for us. God will often give seeds, not fruit. God will give seeds, not trees, not the fullness, because so many people in this room, raise your hand if this is you, if you've seen glimpses of your destiny and your purpose. Raise your hand if that's you. If God's revealed to you in, in, in small ways, man, this is what I have destined for you, right? So many hands up in this room. Here's the truth. God's not just going to make it happen. He's not just going to like, just boom, okay, you're, you're, you're living your purpose. No. 
What has he given you? He's given you a seed and he's given you a vision. He's given you a seed and our job is to make investments into that. Can I tell you something? You do not accidentally have a good marriage. You do not accidentally have great relationships with the people around you. You do not accidentally make a lot of money, right? These things are fruits of small investments over time. And if you want to have, if you want to be a good steward of what God has given you, you have to invest into your gift. Invest into your gift. You see your destiny, you see your purpose, you see that job that God has promised you. Man, you can't just sit around the phone and wait for the CEO to call you. That's not how that works. You have to invest into that. That's what it takes. God doesn't give trees or fruits. He gives you the seed. And we, it's up to us to water. It's up to us to partner with the Lord. Here's the last thing I want to share, I want to share with you. Share what God was given. What, what was given. Share what was given. If you're going to be a good steward of the things that have been given to you, you must share what was given. For all my parents out there, sometimes I like to flex over my kids a little bit just to remind them who's the boss, right? Does anybody else do that? Just to remind you guys who's the boss. I like to, I like to just make them know. Like, don't forget, I'm the boss. And this is how I do it. So every once in a while, my kids will fight over toys like any other kid would, and they're, you know, grabbing stuff, and they're pulling stuff, and they say, no, this is mine, this is mine. Anybody else's kids do that? Oh, it's the worst. It, it, Riley literally did it like 20 minutes ago, <laughs> earlier this morning, but they were taking stuff from each other. And it's like, I just watch them fight for a little bit. No, this is my toy. And then somebody else takes it back. No, this is my toy. And you know what I do? I go up to them and I say, no, this is my toy. <laughs> because listen, daddy bought this toy with daddy's money and you did not buy this toy. So this toy actually belongs to me and I want to play with it. And so I'll play with the toy for a little bit. But it's good to remind my kids every once in a while that until they go to work, until they get their own bank account, until they purchase their own toys, I don't care what you think is yours. Any, everything in that room belongs to me. All the pink doll houses, all the pink dolls, all the little, little everything. That all belongs to me, right? Because I bought that stuff. And so it's, it's important to remind my kids every once in a while that that's mine, not theirs. And this is what God's doing to us today, right? He's reminding you that you can't refuse to share because that thing that you're not sharing is not even yours. And this is what I've learned about people who are really, really good givers. Does anybody know somebody that's just a good giver? They love to give. This is what I've learned about people who love to give. They understand that nothing that they have belongs to them anyways, they understand that I can freely give. Why? Because this isn't even mine. <laughs> Nothing belongs to me. But conversely, the people that are stubborn and refuse to give, maybe even people that refuse to give their tithe and offering, or refuse to give of their time, of their gifts, or of talents, whatever, people that refuse to be generous, what happens is they, they're convinced that they possess these items. They think, I'm not giving you my money. Well, hold on, that's not yours. I'm not giving you my time. No, 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 it's not your time. That's the Lord's time. The Lord's given you time to be here on this earth. And, and you are to steward your time. The, these things that we hold on to so dearly and say, I'm not giving, this is mine, I'm not giving this away. No, no, you have, to, you have to understand something, that nothing is yours. Everything is his. And if we're gonna be a good steward, what we have to do is we have to steward with open hands. And we have to say, this God, 
tell, tell, me, tell me who you want me to give to because, because I know that this isn't my money and I know that I'm blessed not just to hoard, but I'm blessed to be a blessing. So God, who do you want me to bless today? Because I want to share what you have given me. I want to share with you this story in Genesis chapter 22. I, I was joking around with my wife earlier because I think over the last four or five messages I've preached, I've preached about this story every single time and I can't get past it. It's such an incredible story, but it's the story of Abraham sacrificing Isaac or almost sacrificing Isaac, his his son, at the word of the Lord. And this is what I want us to see, right, in regards to stewardship. God comes to Abraham and he says, hey, I'm going to give you a son. I'm going to make you the father of many nations. I think it's interesting. Abraham never asked God for a son. He didn't ask him for a son. God came and gave him this promise and said, hey, I'm, I'm giving you this. And then God fulfills his promise and gives him a son. And then God asks for his promise back. And all the while, Abraham, if you're, if you're Abraham, I would probably say, man, God, you want me to sacrifice Isaac? I didn't even ask for Isaac. Why would you give him to me if you wanted me to sacrifice him? I didn't, even, I didn't want this. I never asked to be the father of many nations. You came out of nowhere. You called me out of my father's house. You gave me all these promises. Why did you do this if you just want me to give my promise back to you? Abraham didn't say that. Abraham obeyed the Lord because he knew something, that Isaac wasn't his. He, re- he received Isaac from the Lord, and he was nothing more than a steward of the promise. And it doesn't matter what God asked because Abraham lived his life like this. It's not mine. It's not mine. God, Isaac doesn't belong to me. If you want him, he's yours anyways. And so the Bible says that Abraham goes up early in the morning. He goes and he, he, he becomes obedient to the Lord. And he gets ready to sacrifice his only son. And the moment he's standing over Isaac with a knife, the angel of the Lord stops him. And this is what God says to him in verse 16. By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son your only son, blessing I will bless you and multiplying I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore and your descendants shall possess the gates of their enemies. What an incredible promise. God tells Abraham, listen, because you stewarded well what I've given you, I'm gonna bless you. And it doesn't even stop there. In verse 18, he goes on to say this, in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. This is the beautiful thing that that when we steward well what God has given us and we share and we live our life with open hands and we say, God, tell me what to give, I'll give it. Tell me where to go, I'll do it. God, whatever you say, it's yours anyways and I'll give everything if you'd ask for it, God. When we live our life that way, what happens is, Jesus says in Matthew 25, he who stewarded well, give that one talent to him. Give that one talent to the guy who has 10 because he stewarded well. And what we see is as we open our hand, God continues to bless us. God brings more and more blessing. God floods our life with blessing. And I love how he promised blessing, not only just Abraham, but of his sons and his descendants. And then he goes on to say this, that you're not just blessed, Abraham, just so you can be blessed, but I've blessed you so that all the nations of the world could be blessed. And this is the reality as, church, as a church, that we exist to be a blessing. We exist to be a blessing to the nations of this world. We are, by being grafted into the family of God, a descendant of Abraham. And that promise rings true even here today in Cleveland, Ohio, that we exist here 
to be a blessing to all the nations. How many, be, how many want to be a blessing to those around them? You want to be a blessing? This is required in order to be a good steward. If you want to be a good steward, you have to be a blessing to those around us. I want to end by just rereading this scripture verse in Matthew chapter 25, verse 26. Jesus said, the Lord says about this wicked servant that buried his talent, said, but his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant. That blows my mind, right? That's so crazy. Because oftentimes in church, what I, what I focus on, and maybe it's just me, but I just, I just try really, really hard not to sin, right? Is anybody else? It's like, man, I'm struggling, man. I'm just trying not to mess up. That's, that's, the, that's the entirety of my Christianity. I'm trying really hard not to mess up. But that's not enough for Jesus. It's not okay that you just don't mess up. It's not enough. Jesus equates this guy's laziness to wickedness. He says, you were lazy. You took the gift that I gave you and you did nothing with it. You're wicked. Oh my goodness. That's, that's, very, that's a very sobering thought. And the idea is this, is that you and I have to embrace this life of stewardship. We have to not just, it's not enough not just not to mess up or do any dumb things. It's important that we become good stewards of what God has given us. Remember this, that everything is his. Everything is his. Everything belongs to him. And so you, your job and my job now is to steward well what we've been given. Do me a favor and stand to your feet with me as we close. <clears throat> You know, my desire, my goal, my drive in life is that I would hear those words that Jesus said, not to this guy, but to the other guy, that he would say, hey, good and faithful servant, well done. You stewarded well what you've been given. Enter into the joy of the Lord. And I believe that that is true for every person in this room. I believe every person in this room is going to experience that same pronouncement over their life. And so as we leave this place, the simple reminder from me to you, from, from the Lord really to all of us, is this, that every breath that we take, every item that we have, every dollar amount in our bank, it's all his. It's all his. It's all because of him. Like if, if the Lord didn't wake us up in the morning, like we wouldn't, we wouldn't exist like, he holds our mind together. We have sanity because of him. Like, we have our health because of him. We, we have food in our bellies because of him. Like, everything is, is because of him. And as good stewards, we, we have to be thankful for that. We have to be thankful. We have to value what was given to us. Even, even the stuff that's not so nice. <laughs> Man, God, thank you for my a beat up car thank you for this thank you for that that's how we value what the Lord has given us and then we invest into that gift just as the, the rain comes down from heaven and the snow falls and it doesn't go back but it waters the earth makes it bring forth life so we have to saturate our life with the word of God invest into that that glimmer of destiny and future that the Lord gave you invest into that every single day, little by little. And finally, open your hands. Come on, let's all open our hands. 
as we're doing this t- today, this afternoon, we're symbolically and prophetically opening our life to the Lord and declaring to him that all of this is yours, God. Everything. Everything's yours. I'm going to live my life with open hands. I see some of your, your hands half open. Come on, open them up. Stretch those fingers. Some of y'all are like this. Yes, Lord, I got open hands. <laughs> no, open those. Spread those fingers out. No, no, no. Nice and wide. <laughs> it's hard though, right? It's hard to say, yeah, God, you can have everything. Just yeah, kind of. It's, it's going to be difficult, but I know you can do it. You guys are awesome. So Jesus, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you, God, that you've, you've trusted us to be good stewards. You wouldn't have given this, this stuff to us if you didn't trust us to steward it well. So Holy Spirit, I pray that as we continue to move through this, this revelation of stewardship that you would teach us, that you would lead us and guide us, Holy Spirit. Teach us how to be good stewards. We love you, Jesus. We want to honor you by the way that we treat what you've given us. We want to honor you. We want to show you how much we love you by, the, by treating the gifts that you've given us well. I thank you, Father, that everybody in this room, everybody hearing my voice or watching online right now, God, that we would hear those words that you said to the first and the second servant, well done, good and faithful servant. We want to be faithful. We desire it, Jesus. I pray a blessing over every single individual in this room right now. In your name I pray. Everyone said, amen, amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, if you could do me a favor, I'm going to have my altar ministers come forward, altar team, if you can come forward. And then if it's okay with you, I just want to ask you two questions real quick before you leave, and then I'll let you go. The first question is this. If you don't know Jesus, if you've never given your heart to him, or maybe you've walked away from the Lord, this is ultimately the first step in stewardship. You've been given this life here on earth. Maybe you don't even know why you're here. Here's the truth. God breathed life into you. He created you and made you for a purpose and for a reason. And your first step in stewarding well your life is to give it to to him. It's giving it to Jesus. That's the first thing that we do is we give our life to Jesus. And that's our way of honoring him. And the Bible says this, that in fact, giving your life to Jesus is the only way to enter into heaven. And if you're here today and that's your desire is to be good steward and enter into heaven, there's only one way. And it's through Jesus. And so if you want to make that decision, we want you to invite you forward to pray with one of these amazing ladies and gentlemen up here who are extremely anointed by God. But we want to invite you up. And here's the second thing that I want to, I want to ask you today. If you're here, you know I have one rule here at Church on the North Coast is that it's okay. We understand that life has, has its ups and downs and we struggle and times are hard and times are good. And, and we've all experienced hard times. Wave at me if you've experienced a hard time, right? Experienced a hard time. We all go through them. But here's the rule. You can experience a hard time, but you cannot do it by yourself. You can't do it alone. I've talked to many people who said, you know, you know what? I, I, I'm, I'm mad at this church because they made me do X, Y, and Z alone. And I'm like, listen, no, no, no. That's our rule here. You can't do it alone. And, and yes, sometimes we forget to call or we forget to reach out or we forget to do these things. But, but I want, this is me saying it right now. If you are struggling, you can't do it alone. Don't do it alone. Don't sneak out of here and say, no one talk to me. You got a mouth, talk to somebody. You got feet, walk up to the altar. <laughs> like, don't, don't be upset and say you, you're, you did stuff by yourself because that's not what we do here. And I'm asking you right now, if you're alone, don't be alone. 
come up and let us pray together. Let us believe God together. Let us, let us just agree together and do life with one another. Amen? Amen. Well, Church on the North Coast, it's been an honor as always. I love you all very much. Remember to come this way before you go that way. And remember to live right, love everyone, and pray hard. We'll see you guys next time.